So uh, near our house is a tiny community on the ocean called Buttonwoods Proper. And it's a private community, but we know some uh, very sweet, generous people who live there. And they allow us to park in their driveway uh, so we can walk we can walk along the Waterview streets. Um, these friends are Jim and Jan Gaumond. Uh, some of you might know them, the parents of Ryan Gaumond. Uh, they've been a part of Wren through the years at different points. But anyway, so we were recently walking our dog there, our whole family, my wife, my two girls, um, just kind of walking the dog along the ocean and just the sky just changed. And there was a stunning pink and orange sunset that just came over. Uh, it was just glorious. It was just amazing. And as we were just walking along, kind of enjoying this uh, moment, the weather was beautiful, even though it was December, I couldn't help but just wonder if the people who live in these gorgeous homes right on the water really appreciate what they have. Because we didn't see many of them out in the front yard uh, enjoying this incredible sunset or even looking out their windows or on their porches or anything. Um, so it was kind of odd. There was one guy I, I remember who was, I think he said he was newer in the neighborhood and he was standing on the front yard. Just He was so happy and just looking out on it and kind of talking to us and other people who were walking by. Well, there's a particular point on this little peninsula that I would say is the absolute perfect place for watching the sunset. In the distance, we, we saw some people uh, perched there in a golf cart gazing at the sunset. And I said to my wife, oh man, that's, those people know what to do. Uh, that's, that's the spot right there. And as we got closer, we realized that it was Jim and Jan, our friends. And I laughed uh, really hard to my kids. And, and I said, you know, no one enjoys and appreciates this community the way Jim and Jan do. I mean, they just can't get into it. They're always talking about it. They overflow with thankfulness uh, for it. And they bought their first cottage there about 30 years ago and have sustained their sense of wonder for what the Lord has, has lavished upon them. And I tell that story because I'm inspired by that. Because, you know, it's so easy to get tired of things, isn't it? I mean, it's very human just to get tired of things. When I was a teen, I would get a record and, and I would just play it over and over and over uh, until I probably drove my parents crazy. Uh, but then eventually, I just, I didn't even like the record anymore. And I would just toss it in the closet. But we get tired of our clothing, our cars, our houses. We often uh, replace them, you know, even though we don't need to. We get tired of the city or town we live in. We get tired of our church. And so we bounce around to different churches. We get tired of the pastors preaching. Some, sadly, even get tired of their friends, their good friends, or their spouse. 
with our kids. Things get old to us and we quest for the new, the better, the more exciting. And I suppose it's not that big of a deal, you know, if we get sick of a record or a rug in our house or a raincoat. But it's a more serious thing when we lose the wonder of important things, like the Christmas story, maybe that once moved us to tears, but now has become something so familiar that it's kind of lost, lost its touch on us. Well, one of the Christmas narratives I always go to that that kind of stirs the wonder of Christ's birth is the story of the shepherds found in Luke chapter 2, the story that Sarah just read a few minutes ago so beautifully, um, pinch hitting for Linus, right? We usually play the Charlie Brown cartoon, but uh, copyright laws can't do it this year. But Sarah did a great job. But shepherds in Bible times were on the low end of the economic scale. They were considered poor and and lowly. It was a dirty job uh, just dealing with sheep in the cold and darkness of the night. But it's fitting that the first birth announcement was sent to these lowly shepherds. The ministry of Christ would be marked by a special love and concern for the downtrodden. He reached out to beggars and lepers, outcast sinners, marginalized tax collectors, those who, who society pushed away, Jesus pulled close. And perhaps God was making a statement in this act of announcing the birth of Christ to poor shepherds first, saying, I will draw close to those whom society has written off. Another significant God-orchestrated part of this story is that Christ was born in Bethlehem in something like a barn, kind of a house in behind a house, like a garage-type place, and it was placed in a manger. I mean, is this any way for the king of glory to arrive? Why not be born in a palace, laid in a luxurious crib, wrapped in fine linen? Bethlehem was a small, humble town outside of Jerusalem. As you saw in the video that we opened with, it's just a little bit south of Jerusalem, I think six miles. But again, I believe this was intentional by God. God was saying, my glory shall be manifested in unlikely places amongst the poor. So let's go there in our imagination to these fields in the blackness of the night sky, you know, waiting for the daylight. The scriptures say an angel of the Lord appears to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. You get the idea that the angel was above them in a haze of light that sort of enveloped them. The animation was kind of beautiful in the way it depicted it. But it was more than a a physical light appearing. This was what we would call an encounter with God. 
The phrase glory of the Lord just simply means a display of the Lord. Something of who God is and his brilliance was revealed to these shepherds and they saw it with their physical eyes and with their spiritual eyes. They were awakened to God, you know, to, to God infinite and majestic and holy and beautiful and good. Just like the glory of the Lord kind of passed over Moses and the goodness of God was manifested and revealed. God has his ways of, of doing that, opening up our eyes to see him. It's an awesome thing. And these shepherds, were overcome, uh, not by the angel merely. I mean, that would be enough, right? Just to see an angel. But it was the angel of the Lord, which in itself is kind of a mystery what that is. But it's the angel with the presence of God so in and manifested around. It was the glory of God upon the angel that struck them. They were filled with fear, the Bible says. I mean, how could they not be? I imagine some of them trembling. Maybe some began to just uh, weep, uh, knees shaking as they realized the otherness of the Holy One. Well, once the angel had their attention, I love this. They get a message because that's what angels do. They, They bring messages. And the shepherds probably anticipated this and were hoping it would be a good message. And it was. It was probably greater than anything they could ever even imagine. The angel announced this. This is what the scripture says. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born This day in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, I'm sure these shepherds knew something of the promise of the prophets through the centuries that a savior Messiah would come. And the message was essentially this. It has come. The package has arrived. The savior has been born and he has come for all peoples. God himself has come down to earth wrapped in humanity. Tonight, the world changes. God has come and he's in your neighborhood. Well, it gets better. As the angel speaks this message and they are taking it all in, the whole experience, no doubt, uh, planned by the Lord to be a stunning surprise that would blow them away is taken to another level. It says this, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So suddenly their eyes are opened to see a spectacular multitude in heaven, probably all of heaven was part of this. I mean, who wouldn't be there? Who who was busy in heaven somewhere else in, in heaven doing something different when Christ was born? Probably all of heaven gathered. And a porthole opens up and, and, and they see tens of thousands or maybe millions or maybe 
trillions, I don't even know, nobody knows, of angels and other created beings breaking out in ecstatic praise. I always picture in my mind a a kind of aerial view of a packed Super Bowl upside down in the sky, if you can picture that. What a sight. God was showing what heaven was feeling about the birth of Jesus. Again, I see the shepherds, they were already overwhelmed, but now they're just falling to their knees, lifting their hands, streams of tears running down their cheeks. This was the greatest moment of their lives. Maybe some of them weren't emotional at all. They were just completely frozen and couldn't even process the whole thing. Probably different personalities amongst the bunch. But not only after thousands of years of waiting has the Savior come, but God is giving these shepherds a personal encounter with his glory, and he's involving them in the story. I mean, they were just doing their lowly third shift job in obscurity, right? But now they're in the gospel of Luke forever. I love that. God always takes the humble and exalts them. Now, when the display ended and the angels went away from them into heaven, I don't know how long that that show was, uh, they must have just stood there, right, for a few moments and looked at each other speechless. Like, what, what, do, what was that? What, what do we, now what do we do? Well, it tells us in the scriptures what they did. They sent out into Bethlehem. And I always wonder about the sheep. Did they bring the sheep with them? Or do they just like, you know what? I don't even care about this job anymore. You know, we're just going to go. I don't, we don't know. I want to know the details of these things. There's so much in between the lines. Wait, what about, how many sheep did they have? Was it like 10? If it was 10, maybe they brought them. If it was like 150, maybe, I don't know. What happened? Maybe somebody stayed back and anyways. But the shepherds head into town and I imagine they started asking around if any babies had been born. Maybe they approached people walking on the street. Maybe they knocked on doors and disturbed people. They probably were a little disruptive. They probably woke up animals all over town who were sleeping. As they asked people if they knew of any babies being born that may have been born in, say, a manger. I'm sure people didn't say, or I'm sure people did say, no, why? I have the feeling they didn't say, no reason, just looking for a baby in a manger. That's all. See you later. I'm pretty sure they started sharing about the encounter with the angel and the message that the savior of the world has been born. God has come to earth tonight and he's here in the neighborhood. Some people may have slammed the door, calling them crazy shepherds, but others might have immediately sensed the glory of God and could tell they had been in God's presence. I think God orchestrated all that so the whole town would find out what happened. Well, they find Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus lying in the manger, just like the angel described wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The shepherds told Mary and Joseph what happened and the special message from God they received concerning the child. And scripture says, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. 
wow, this happened. Well, to help us understand, now here we are 2,000 years later, right? To understand really the significance of what Jesus brought into the world. I want us to think about Christ and the gift of salvation as an actual gift, okay? I use your imagination a little bit. Since it's Christmas, we're thinking of presents. So think of salvation as a sort of gift package given to us. And I pray that your heart would be stirred by this. The gift that God gave to us was costly, wasn't it? It cost God's own blood that he shed on a cross. But anyways, we climb up, again, use your imagination a little bit. We climb up the ladder into the large gift box and we find it jam-packed with a myriad of things that we aren't really sure at first what they are. But one thing we immediately recognize is that the atmosphere is full of love and joy. We have a really good feeling about this gift that God is giving us. Well, we pull out the card with our name on it because, you know, you're always supposed to, I was taught by my parents, read the card before tearing into the gift. It's a welcome letter, beautifully handwritten, that reads more like a love letter from a father to his child. And this is good news for many of us who thought God probably didn't like us or want us. And then inside the card, we find what looks like a legal document with a divine seal upon it that says our entire record of wrongs has been wiped out completely. No sin we have ever committed will be charged against us. Instead, it has been charged to Christ's account. Our enormous debt is paid in full. And this is good news since there is no way to eliminate the stain of sin from our souls on our own. Well, this alone would be enough, but there's more. We find garments of righteousness, perfectly tailored fit to us. The tag on the garments explains that these special garments will enable us to overcome sin and they will qualify us for entry into the presence of a holy God both now and when we stand before him one day. And this is really good news because no one has ever qualified to approach God. He's too holy. Well, as we probe deeper, we discover adoption papers and find that we have been legally adopted by the creator and king of the universe who will be our loving heavenly father forever. We are now part of God's family and we will eat at the table with the king of all kings and all the redeemed of the ages. And this is good news since we were spiritual orphans separated from God. Along with the adoption papers is a detailed description of our inheritance. The heavenly father is very rich and also very generous. He says all he has is ours. His treasures shall be our treasures and we shall enjoy this for eternity. 
This is incredibly good news, especially since we can't take any of our earthly wealth with us beyond the grave. We notice a whole section inside the salvation gift that seems to be some sort of armor. It will be needed for spiritual battles in our time on earth against forces of darkness. We try it on and it fits us perfectly. We take the sword in our hand and we feel a rush of strength come upon us. And this is good news since we have a fierce foe, Satan, and all of his forces who prowl like lions seeking to devour us. We push further into an area labeled for the valleys. We discover thousands upon thousands of shelters, each designed to match the particular valleys that the Lord in his foresight knows that we will face. Each shelter is different with a unique set of provisions contained in it. Each one seems to hint at leading us into a new place of illumination and intimacy with God. This is good news since in this present world, we cannot escape afflictions. And as we journey further, we notice fountains of wisdom everywhere, living water, streams that satisfy the soul. All that is required is a degree of stillness to drink these in. There are also tables strewn with spiritual fruit so abundant, it's beautiful just to look at. We see love and peace and joy and patience and goodness and other fruit that transform us as we consume them. And this is amazing news as we long to be fulfilled. Perhaps the most precious part of this salvation gift is the access we have into the presence of God. We find ourselves empowered to converse with God, the creator of all things. And we can hear his whispers speaking right inside of us in the deepest part of our beings. We have peace with God, friendship with God. And this is good news as we were once at enmity with God. Well, this is an inexhaustible gift that keeps on giving. There's no end to the discovery of riches contained within it. The deeper we push into its wonders, the more we discover there is to discover. Everything about this gift is designed to make us come alive and to re reveal to us the excellencies of Jesus Christ. Every treasure contained connects us deeper to our God. And it's a gift that just keeps on giving throughout eternity. It gets more and more wonderful every day. Well, I could keep going, of course. I mean, I'm just scratching the surface, but this is the ultimate gift, salvation, that God has given to us. It was a costly gift, as I mentioned, but it's a free gift. Sometimes I don't understand why more people don't receive it. Actually, I'm going to send out a little message tomorrow through the newsletter on Christmas Day, and I'm going to actually talk a little bit about what keeps people from receiving the gift. But it's so good what God has given to us. I pray that we would revel in it. I pray that, that we would just treasure it. 
You know, my point is that while there are some things we get tired of and replace, we cannot do this with the gift of God. You know, we can replace our iPhone or get rid of our old couch or retire the old cardigan and get a new one, try a fresh style. Oh, that's fine. But don't let the glory of Christ's birth get old. Don't throw the story of Jesus into the attic of your mind. Think about it often. Contemplate its significance. Sing songs about it. Discuss it at meals. Talk to your children about it. Keep your hearts ablaze with wonder. Well, I'm going to pray a prayer for you. And then we're going to do one last song. It's been a joy just to preach the word to you tonight. And I hope that you're refreshed by this and and encouraged and reminded of the goodness of God. Uh, God loves you. And if you don't know the Lord, uh, this is a great time to just open up your heart to Christ. His arms are stretched out wide. He loves everyone. The invitation in scripture is come. Always it's come. Jesus says, come all who are weary and heavy laden, you know, come to the waters, come to me and I will give you rest. His invitation is for you. Uh, So come to him tonight if you don't know the Lord. Uh, He's willing to receive you. But Father, I pray right now for every person uh, listening or who will listen uh, to the recording later. And I pray that you would pour out the goodness of God upon them. Lord, I pray that this gift of salvation would be uh, taken in fully and just like fully opened and, and utilized and, and just appreciated. God, I pray that the breath of your spirit would be upon each and every person in this church, in this community, or that's listening. Um, pour out your love into their hearts. And as we sing this last song, Lord, I pray for the peace of God that passes all understanding. This has been a difficult year for many of us. Some of us have lost uh, people that we, we love and know uh, because of the virus. Some of our friends or family may be sick uh, with the virus. God, just so many things have happened. Mental health issues have been a struggle for many. Uh, financial issues, God, we just pray that peace would wash over us that peace that passes all understanding. Um, Give peace, Lord, uh, to your people this Christmas Eve. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas.